In the world of oral health, access to dental care remains a persistent problem as low-income New Yorkers are struggling to afford services or find providers that accept their insurance coverage, especially if they rely on Medicaid. One way to potentially mitigate the damage of this dentist shortage is empowering dental hygienists to provide additional services, such as filling cavities and replacing crowns. The expanded role would fall under the heading of dental therapy, a broadened scope of practice utilized in some different states. For more on the lack of access to dental care and the pros and cons of dental therapy, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Bridget Walsh, a senior policy analyst at the Schuyler Center for Analysis and Advocacy. Welcome back to the show, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. So for starters, if I'm a low to moderate income family trying to obtain dental services in New York, what is the landscape like right now? For example, if I have insurance, can I find a provider that will actually take it? To to start with, I want to talk a little bit about the nature of oral health problems that we're having, but also the fact that one of the things we need to be focusing on, in addition to treatment, which I'll talk about, is also the lack of preventive services. Remember that a lot of the oral health problems are actually, majority of them are preventable. And so one of the ways we can mitigate problems with access to treatment services is to really be focusing on making sure we're preventing oral health problems to begin with. And so part of the access issues are focused on treatment, but there's also a lot of lack of access as well to preventive services. So in some parts of the state, some of the things that we're hearing at the Schuyler Center where we focus specifically on access to services for children and families, particularly those living in poverty, is that as families are seeking care for very young children, they're often finding an inability to find services that will take Medicaid and also services for young children, very young children. It's hard sometimes to find providers that want to treat or have the capacity to treat very young children. There's some specialty to that. So those are the kinds of things that we're focused on is thinking about where those gaps are in communities in different parts of the state. We're hearing from rural areas that there's not only a lack of providers that will take Medicaid, but a lack of providers in general. They just don't exist in some of those communities. Or there's a long travel time between dentists and long waiting periods for those dentists that will see young children on Medicaid. And much like the healthcare sector more broadly, is the problem with Medicaid here that the reimbursement rates are too low for dentists to be encouraged to accept these patients? I think reimbursement has been a problem in multiple states that are having these similar conversations. It is difficult to become a Medicaid provider, to bill Medicaid. Remember, a lot of dentists, some of them are still practicing solo, especially in a lot of these rural areas. So the infrastructure and the capacity to become a Medicaid provider and bill Medicaid um, can be difficult and burdensome for providers in addition to the low reimbursement rate. So I think there's multiple issues besides just reimbursement that need to be addressed in terms of getting more providers into Medicaid. Well, in terms of expanding the pool of professionals in the dental space, Assemblymember Carrie Werner has legislation uh, following in the footsteps of about seven other states that would create a pathway for dental hygienists to operate as dental therapists or advanced dental therapists. And in that capacity, uh, they could fill cavities and fit temporary crowns under the supervision of a dentist. When you think about this additional expanded scope of practice, Does it seem like that 
answers any of the problems that you see in the oral health space? So when we're, we're talking about adding a different provider to the mix, I think one of the things we know about health services and the health workforce issues right now is that there's not one silver bullet. There's a myriad of issues. So we have to be thinking more holistically than just adding one provider. I think it's, it's something we need to be considering. But I think we also be, need to be focused on how do we expand services provided by other practitioners like dental hygienists, like dental assistants and other parts of the care team? And also, how are we engaging providers that are not strictly dental providers in providing oral health services, such as pediatricians to be doing preventive services, primary care providers to be doing preventive services, where another provider might be part of that continuum of care. We should also be looking at the broad scope of practitioners out there and how they fit together to become a care team. Dental therapists are actually now in 13 states. Mm. I think the most recent one was just a couple years ago in Colorado. And they're in the Northeast. They're authorized in Vermont, Connecticut, and Maine. So we have some surrounding states that have dental therapists as well. They often practice in low-income communities, federally qualified health centers. They are often outstationed in schools or in long-term care services to provide preventive care and some clinical restorative uh, treatment services, as you mentioned, under the supervision of a dentist. Um, So they become part of a care team often in these uh, low-income communities or hard-to-reach communities or rural communities to expand some clinical services but also preventive services as part of a care team. So how they fit into a care team, I think, is going to be critical to thinking about the need to add them to the repertoire of what's allowed in New York for services. How would a dental therapist dovetail with dental hygiene to make sure that you're seamless in terms of what's allowed. So I think they're definitely something that we've been studying, thinking about, talking to people about, having some, been attending webinars, talking to people in other states about how they're working. And so I think they're definitely going to be part of any sort of conversation to think about it, about filling the um, workforce gap in New York. But I think it comes along with where would something like that fit in relation to other work that you're being, that's being done, like bringing additional dentists into the Medicaid system and looking at where the other providers in that continuum of care, what they are allowed to do and how they all work together. So, and, and also, I think the conversation needs to be focused also on academia. How are we going to train workforce regardless of whether it's expanding the scope of existing providers or bringing in a new type of a provider, they're going to have to be trained. And so they, that needs to be part of this conversation about restructuring the workforce is, is training as well. So, so while there's obviously some hope that switching to dental therapists for some services that dentists might have otherwise provided could result in services being cheaper. At the end of the day, the supplies still would cost the same. There's an idea that the service is still worth the same since it's professional. So does that come back then to the reimbursement rates under Medicaid and the idea that we need to increase those rates to ensure that just the existing framework of providers are 
out there meeting the needs of low-income New Yorkers? That's a question that I think people are starting to wrangle with is what are the thresholds for reimbursement for services, especially under Medicaid. I also think we need to be thinking about what are we paying for in terms of the right additional services that might be useful. For example, when we did the Children's Early Childhood Oral Health Summit last year, some of the things that came out of that were the idea of reimbursing for services like case management for dental under Medicaid, which is not a separate reimbursable service right now. Nutrition counseling, right? Nutrition is really critical for good oral health. It's one of the ways we prevent dental disease is through nutrition counseling. And that's not a reimbursable expense. So one of the things since the summit last year is we're taking a look at what other states provide these services separately billed in Medicaid, and is it effective in terms of reducing dental disease? I think there's some ways to explore some of these additional preventive services that we should be looking at as well, and in addition to reimbursement rates specifically for dentistry. And are you finding that the challenges that people who have, say, Medicaid are also being experienced by people with private insurance, people who may not be wealthy but have private insurance? Are, are they running into the same sort of access to care issues, whether it's the out-of-pocket costs uh, or just the lack of providers? We heard this a lot when we did the Early Childhood Summit last year, and we were talking like specifically around access to services for young children, is that in some areas it is partially just a lack of providers, providers being inaccessible because of travel requirements. Um, and I think there are places where we're starting to deal with that, like teledental services, portable equipment, being able to travel to places where children are located, like schools and childcare centers, to be able to do the preventive types of services. So that gets around some of the issues around Medicaid and people who have private dental insurance but also lack access. So thinking creatively about how we can bring services to children or using those same services like portable equipment and mobile vans and take them out to other populations such as veteran centers or long-term care facilities to expand that preventive aspect of care. So because so much of this picture and the response requires a holistic approach, is this something that requires legislative action because there's changes in, say, scope of practice and who's allowed to do what and what do we expect of certain providers? Or does it just come down to licensing and we need to hear from our state agencies? Or can the existing providers just change their attitudes about certain things, and that will uh, help respond to creating a, a more cohesive response? I think it's all of the above. Looking at this sort of in a holistic manner, if we're looking at increasing preventive services, treatment services across the board, and, and working across providers, some of it's going to be regulatory, some of it's going to be statutory, some of it's going to be fiscal, right, With if we're looking at reimbursement rates, and then some of it's education, education of providers, education of families, and then integrating the connecting services like care coordination, like transportation services to get people to appointments if the if they're providers farther away. And then coming back to making sure that we're not 
looking only at the existing dental workforce as oral health providers. It's encouraging and incorporating pediatricians. It's part of their scope of practice too, some of the work that they do, primary care providers, thinking about how we do more dental education and more services with community health workers, with home visitors. Anybody that really touches the lives of of children and families should be having these conversations about prevention and making sure that families have a dental home, providing access to a dental home, and really focusing on can we reduce disease? Because the farther we can reduce disease, the easier it's going to be to get more people into the treatment plans and treatment protocols. So we're really focused on reducing disease, especially in, in young children with prevention. But it's helpful to think about oral health providers as being more than just the typical, what we think of as, as oral health providers, but thinking more broadly about the health workforce in general as all having to play a role in thinking about oral health and connecting to services. Well, we've been speaking with Bridget Walsh. She is a senior policy analyst for the Schuyler Center for Analysis and Advocacy. Bridget, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.